Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with world-renowned jazz vocalist, songwriter, and pianist Patricia Barber. We talked to her about her new CD called Click, due out on Impex Records on August 6, 2021. And this is done with multi-Grammy winner and longtime creative partner Jim Anderson. Her insistence on writing her own songs makes her difficult to categorize, and her unwillingness to play the music business promotional games has resulted in her having work evaluated by critics on its own terms. She is a tireless performer who has toured the globe, and she has wonderful stories. Enjoy. Well, Patricia, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. Great. Happy to be here. So let's start off first and foremost. I guess we should probably just address the elephant in the room with COVID and the fact that there's been no live music for so long. I mean, the world's starting to wake up. The revival's happening. But it has to feel relieving to be at a point right now, after everything we've gone through, to release a new album and to be able to be at a point where you can actually do something live to back it up. How does this feel for you? Uh, Yeah, I don't feel that way about being able to do live performances yet because I'm, I'm, at high, I'm one of the high-risk people. My lungs are sick. I can get very sick with the flu or cold. A cold can turn into a year's event for me where I lose my voice and, and uh, I could lose my life if I get a flu. So with the Delta variant surging and so many places in the United States and across the world where people are not vaccinated, I just, I'm not comfortable going into, let's say, jazz clubs with low ceilings and no ventilation. I'm not sure that my immune system picked up the vaccination the way it should have. I'm not sure, but I don't want to take that chance right now. You know, if I were an instrumentalist or a drummer or a pianist, I could just put on a mask, but I can't really put on a mask as a singer. So I'm just going to, I'm going to wait at least another year, I think. I'm going to wait until the global infection rate comes down. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that, you know, and there's so many levels of this that are risky and they yeah um and the planes but, the airplanes and and you know yeah. i feel like i feel com- i feel comfortable doing that because we we were lucky and that we finished up higher which is sort of the precursor to this album and really this the concert tours were a combination of the original music from higher and this music from click and we, we released it on our share. Uh, Intex has now picked it up to put it out again. And we did a full year and a half tour. And we got off the plane in fe- February 28th, 2020, when the virus was really already around. And we were still taking flights every single day. And I remember how uncomfortable that was for me. And I just don't want to even get close to it right now. I, yeah. I guess oh. I have a, the luxury of not doing it. Uh, yes. And I suppose if I were young, and, and I didn't have any health problems, maybe I would give it a try. But the Delta variant, even if you're young, it's dangerous, you know. So Yeah, I, I, I understand. But does it feel good to have new material out now? I mean, I know I mean, oh, basically, yeah, yeah, I mean, because the big thing is, is that there's been no real serious communication between musician and audience other than an album. And now, you know, you got a brand new one out. It just has a good feel. It's full of standards. So talk to me a little bit about this project and how it feels that it, it'll be out um, August 6th, correct? These are the tunes that do not have the dark side of me, of Patricia Barber. Uh, so these are the tunes that we throw into the set uh, in between some of the originals or some of the uh, other tunes when we feel like uh, the set, or we, uh, just feel the need for uh, fun, you know, fun. It's, it's, these are tunes that have hooks real obvious hooks, most of which made them hits. And so it's just a lot of fun to do to do these songs. Um, 
so yeah, you have this town and the in crowd and shall we dance, Train or Chaser, all of all is fair in love is, is maybe the only quiet ballad on the on the on the C D and I it's it's fun to put this out now because everybody's tired of COVID. Everybody's I think I think we're all kinda of stuck in a gray area right now. And uh this is just a happy thing. Just put it on and enjoy it. So it's so rare that I do that kind of a project. <laughs> so take advantage of it, yeah. So what have, what have you learned over this like quarantine lockdown time about yourself that's going to make you stronger as, you know, you promote this album and a year from now you're saying you're going to go out and, and do live shows. How do you see yourself emerging as a stronger human being after going through this? Uh, definitely have no choice, I think, but to look very carefully at your priorities. Most musicians at a certain if they play at a certain level, which they, where they're invited around the world to play, um, you know, they, they've missed a lot. Uh, I've missed a lot. I've missed a lot of my nieces and nephews growing up. I, I was on tour. I would see them when I came through town at a concert, you know. I would like to see more of them. I would like to slow down. I would like to enjoy life uh, more. I will do concerts, but I will only do them uh, if they're, you know, they, they pay well. They pay well financially and also that the circumstances of the flight and the hotels are all taken care of and are just comfortable. I don't really want to bump around the world anymore doing that. That's a big change. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting you say that because I remember when this happened, I thought people, musicians and artists that have financial latitude may really actually take a huge sigh of relief after this happens and take stock in how much they missed and how much you have to run around. And I find that sentiment interesting because I've heard it more and more with musicians that, you know, they have the latitude to be able to do that. And I think that um, I, maybe that's just indicative of the planet having a chance to breathe. I mean, Denver's not so full of smog. L.A. cleared up a little bit. The canals in Venice got clear. I mean, I think this is like collectively a sign for all of us to know that we aren't in control of this. Mother Nature is. Well, I hope you're right. You know, right now we're we're teetering right on this uh, this edge. So uh, the United States. So we're going to go one way or another. But to me, and I think to you, and to Belgium today, and Germany, and to the West in the United States, I think it's very clear that we can't wait till 2050. We really can't wait. We really need to buckle down and do what needs to be done now. I think that we're losing our battle with climate change, and I think it's time to to pay attention and do something. I myself am uh, sort of obsessed with open land because Michigan has a lot of open land still and open farmland, but, you know, the Whitmer, Governor Whitmer and Governor Pritzker are all sort of preparing for climate migrants, and I don't want the open land to be bought up because we need it. First of all, Michigan gives the world all their food, second only to California and how much food we grow and give to the the United States, vegetables and, and fruit. I think that I think that you're right. There, there is a, a lot of us are realizing that wow, that things are never going to be the same as they were before the pandemic. Yeah, that whole moniker of going back to normal is not going to happen. We've been altered, I think, not way too much. Happen. Yeah, right. You know, the one the one thing about your career is that you've been consistent. You've been consistently good. What has been the key to your career and you staying? on top of what you do and evolving as time has gone on? I'm pretty good at saying no. And, and I think, like I said, even though I've missed a lot, uh, 
I always took time off to write music. I don't believe, you know, when people tell me I write music on the road, I feel like saying, well, that's why your songs only have three chord changes. You know, um, I take a year off and I, and I, or the music that I wrote for hire took me six years, it took me six years to write because I was, I am changing the harmony of what you would call the jazz song repertoire. And uh, that can be sung by uh, opera singers and can be sung by jazz singers. Um, and that's kind of a new harmony for jazz, jazz musicians to play over. When I, when I get instrumentalists to play w with me on these tunes, they, you know, they say to me, oh, I don't need the music. And I say, oh, I think you will. <laughs> I think you'll need the music. And they do because the, the chord changes are, are not the prescriptive chord changes of jazz. They're not at all. They're, they're much more uh, derived from voice leading, which is a, a classical form of composition. What do you like the best about being a professional musician? Every day you wake up and get the chance to create music. What do you mm -hmm. like the best about this process? Well, music itself, of course. I think that, you know, how do we, you know, how do you articulate what music does for us? Uh, Renee Fleming has done this wonderful series, you know, Music in the Brain, and you can actually see the changes that happen in, in people's brains when they not only play music, but just listen to it. I feel that playing music, I feel healed playing music, and I play it every day. I listen to it every day. I, I always have an hour uh, that I just listen to music, and like one of my dogs knows that it's music listening time, and we go into the room, and we shut down the lights, and we listen to music. You know, there's something magical and healing about music, and I often think about, I, I am sort of torn. I want to think, I think about running for office so that I can do something about open land and zoning and this and that. But then I think, well, maybe, maybe not. What I've done is spend my whole life writing music and playing music. And I think that has a very important function in our very difficult world right now. I think when we read the newspaper right now, however you read it, I think you can't help but be alarmed. Well, and I think the one thing I've thought about, too, over the course of this pandemic is, is we've talked a lot about frontline workers and who essential workers have been from the medical profession to grocery store workers, all of those things. But I think about art. And if we didn't have art, whether it was music or TV or mm -hmm. film during this time, it mm -hmm. would have been a vastly darker period. So, oh, very like, dark. what? Very dark. Oh, yeah, it would have been unbelievable. Just like you, yeah. a, a testament to what you're saying about how important music is, you know. Yeah. Um, when we do, when you do return, say a year from now to the stage and musicians are returning now to the stage, what do you hope we all collectively realize about the power specifically of live music, both musician and the audience? The, the what that applies to musicians? The, the power of live music, the allure of being in a live oh, environment power of together. Live music. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's why I'm waiting. Uh, you know, I'm waiting to go back to the CSO. I'm waiting to go back to the Lyric Opera. Uh, I'm waiting to play live music because, like I said, it's healing. But it's, it's so much more healing in person. I mean, the vibrations that music offers, you know, the instruments actually create vibrations. You know, the piano, when it hits the string, you know, vibrations go out into the audience. The bass, the drums, those vibrations, musical vibrations go out into the audience. And when you take that, and you actually apply it, you know, if you put that kind of vibration on this special nerve, people with MS actually get better. That's how important, you know, music vibration is. It's, it's part of the music. It's part of the beauty. It's part of the healing. It's also part of the mystery of it. Um, I think we all 
were grateful. I was extremely grateful to the Met for their opportunity, like right at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was afraid. It was so nice to be able to turn on an opera every night and, and, and hear that. And then toward the end of it, you know, watching music on Zoom or watching music on TV was less satisfying than I wanted it to be. And so, yeah, I think we're all, all, all waiting to share that musical experience again. There's an energy that goes from the musicians to the audience and the audience back to the musicians. So just staying on the topic of live music and even performance, you know, over the years you've had the chance to perform with a lot of musicians. What did the elders and legends teach you that you in turn taught the younger players that have been around you? Well, I never thrown in a performance. I learned that from the, the great musicians. I used to have dinner with Oscar Peterson, uh, some regularity in Chicago, the most gentle giant in the world, the nicest guy. Uh, Sheila Jordan is a friend of mine. She, we write to each other every day uh, on email, and she's 92, I think, and very extremely wise. I have never phoned in a performance. I think at the point at which you are phoning in a performance, I think you should stop. I think you should not do that. You know, so never, I don't care if there's six people in the audience because it's a snowstorm. I never phone in a performance. I always give it my best. I dig deep down and give it my best. But also I'm able to do that because I do take time off sometimes to write music. That's one thing I learned, you know. If, if, you're, if you're lucky enough to do this job, you know, do it. Do it with all your heart and soul, you know. Study it, do it well. You know? So quite simply, why do you love jazz? Well, because of the improvisational element, of course. Um, you know, I, I, I studied classical. I'm still studying classical. When I was trying to decide which way I was going to go, um, you know, I would listen to the classical players practicing, and then I would listen to the jazz players, and they were laughing. They were, they were playing, but they were laughing. And there's something is to, to improvise is really to give away such a intimate part of yourself, the fun parts of yourself, the sense of humor, uh, you can have a very intimate relationship with the other musicians when you're improvising. So it's the improvisational element of jazz that I really love. Of course, I love all the things about jazz. I love Groove and High. I can't stop thinking about the changes of Groove and High. I play it over and over and over, and I keep finding different ways of getting through the chord changes, you know, and it's, it's the improvisational element that I love. So everyone has a perception or an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fan base, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of who you think you are? Who do you actually think you are? Huh. Who do I think I Oh, I think it's clear who I am. I mean, I am a pretty serious composer and musician. Who I've dedicated most of the hours of my life to that, um, but I also, you know, I also am uh, passionately uh, – in love with right now, I'm sitting in the middle of a forest. We have this house out in Michigan, and we host all our friends and family every year. So I'm dad. I'm a gay woman. I'm a woman who is very grateful for living in the United States and and uh, Edie Windsor and being able to be married to my wife Martha Feldman, who is a professor of music history at the University of Chicago. You know, and like I said, I I feel like I've missed something. And so I would like to miss less now, or I would like to make up some time for that. So my nieces and nephews are so grown up and so uh, just wonderful people. Uh, I would really, I think I uh, would owe them a little more time. You know, I did want to say one thing that, and just to kind of keep this in front of people, you know, there was a singer in Kansas City, um, Molly Hammer, and she passed 
last November, and she was wonderful, very beloved in the Kansas City area. And I remember mm. she had a, a long battle with cancer, and I interviewed her after her first real big battle with it. And she, I mean, it was in remission, and everything was fine, and we were talking. And right. I said, what did you learn out of this? Well, what, what was it that you really got out of all of this? And she said, I stopped saying no. Like you were saying yes. about canceled gigs, she said, "I'm I open myself up to the thing, to the idea that I you know I got one revolution around the moon or sun and I need to do this mm-hmm. and I always mm-hmm. find that inspirational and I hear the tinges of that in a lot of musicians now that we've lived through a global pandemic. Right, absolutely, I I agree. My aunt, aunt, I was named after my aunt, Aunt Pat. She's 91 years old, and she she always says yes. You know, she's getting her shoulder uh, worked on so that she can swim with me. We're big swimmers. And, uh, you know, I, again, yeah, I just, I would like to live the rest of my life with music, of course, always, always with music. I'm also writing prose now and taking uh, classes and that and enjoying that. And it actually helps my, I can explain music a little bit better. The better writer I am, the better prose writer I am, the better it helps me explain music. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh, just take life and, and, and enjoy it every day because we never know. Without a doubt. Well, hey, Patricia, thank you for taking a little bit of time after the show. I really appreciate it. Good luck with the new project and, and stay safe out there. All right. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Chicago, Michigan, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Patricia for her time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.